Hello. Oh, hello, Merlin. How are you? Hello, Dan. How are you? <laughs> Lots of uh, people, mm, people have contacted us regarding the Marcy and Smith's <laughs> thing. And, and I think I think I have never said anything more true than that statement of I can I whenever I hear Marcy singing, I, I now only think of you. Oh my God. It's yes. a good thing. I mean, it's a positive. Oh, no, it's not. It's bad. <laughs> Why? It's, it's great. It's, it's an inter- literally an international tragedy. <laughs> First of all, thank you to everybody. Uh, <laughs> yes, we've received numerous toots uh, and emails from people uh, who think that when they hear Morrissey, all they hear is me now, which is weird because my first of all, my Morrissey impersonation is not particularly good. False. It's more of an impression. False. No, it's excellent. It's, uh, it's, it's very good. It just wasn't like the old days anymore. It just wasn't like those days and I still ill. Uh, but the real inter- literal international tragedy is you should be able to go and enjoy the Smiths without hearing me. I don't but think anyone imagine, said they didn't. They feel? Uh, no one said they didn't enjoy it. I I think we enjoy it more. Hmm. Hmm. You know, it's maybe it's a little bit like the whole like Dana Carvey George Bush thing, where like <laughs> the thing is, you know, I think if when somebody does, yeah. and I'm, not, I'm not trying to put myself in this league. No, but you know, I don't know if George H W Bush ever actually said wouldn't be prudent. I don't know if he ever actually said that, but like now, if when somebody says wouldn't be prudent, um. All you hear, you hear Dana Carvey, who yeah. did like he did the defining impression, mm-hmm. uh, or like Rich Little with Nixon. When people impersonate <laughs> Nixon, they're really impersonating Rich Little, right? Doing Nixon, right? Man, that must be that's 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 exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> la la la. <laughs> I crack the whip and you skip, but you deserve it. You deserve it. Deserve it. Deserve it. Oh, you handsome devil. <laughs> And when we're in your scully room, who will swallow whom? La la la. I've actually started listening back to the Smiths now because of that. Also, I'm going to send you a picture that was recently uncovered. My mom is, uh, I don't know, I I was, I need to, you know what? You you as as Spidey? No, me as uh, quote unquote R2-D2. But the way I feel like I need to explain these jumps that I make you're singing about uh, the Smiths. The Smiths is a band that I listened to a long time ago. Other things that happened a long time ago were pictures uh, of me in the R2-D2 costume were taken. Are you laughing at what I'm saying or the picture I just sent you? Or both? It's, I'm, I'm adoring this incredibly cute photo of the worst R2-D2 I've ever seen in my life. That now, is so cute. Now, if That's I, exactly the kind of thing my dad would make for me. It's so sweet. If and you're, I, wearing a, you're wearing a cable knit sweater. I know, I, which I think, I think my mom may have knit. I'm, oh not, I'm not sure. But here's the thing. This particular photo, which we can put in show notes, is if, if it hadn't been marked as R2-D2, it would have been a pretty good uh, robot costume. Right. But the, right. the problem is that it was labeled as R2-D2, and I remember the, vividly the story. What you can't see from this is that those the, the knobs and the buttons, my dad was like ham radio Morse code guy at this mm-hmm. time. And like I think he saw this as an opportunity to embed a full working, not connected to anything, not broadcasting, but a, a full working uh, Morse code what do they call the little dude? That thing? 
like a telegraph. That yeah, that the but the little uh, the little key thing that you would press that would make that sound was in the costume, and I could make it beep, make beeping sounds, just just like R two D two, just like R two D two. That is so sweet. Oh my gosh! And and those are like real radio dials. They kind of look like uh, buttons from ladies' coat. No, they're. Uh... They're real dials. There, there wasn't in the seventies. There wasn't much difference between the buttons on a lady's coat and dials on machinery. Mm-mm. We liked it that way. Yeah. Oh man, I have uh, I have such fond memories of things like this. I, I you know, I, I think we have somewhat similar backgrounds. We didn't have a lot of extra dough around the house, um, and so like when I really, really, really wanted to be Batman in right. kindergarten, I got like the world's most off-brand. Batman costume cobbled together. Yeah. My mom my mom made me basically took some felt, two pieces of felt, a yellow piece of felt and a black piece of felt and without any reference to like what the bat looked like on his costume like made me that to put on a, like a shirt and then I got this mask from a store that was like clearly created to approximate a bat without infringing on anybody's IP. <laughs> Cuz I, I I look I don't know, I look more like uh Night Owl than 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 Batman but Anyway, that's just we look at your kitchen. I love I love old photos oh, and what you see in the, in the background. You can see I can tell you that thing on the far left on the countertop is so an can, electric an electric can opener. Probably had a built-in knife sharpener. It did. Yeah. It is the best and the sound that thing made, I have an association with that and feeding the cats. Well, cats yeah. come running when they yep. hear that. Yep. You got a uh coffee pot up there? Mhm. Perk pot. Mm. Is that a gas range? It looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. There's so much happening to tease apart in that picture. I like the angle, too. It's got kind of, they call it the the, the Dutch (laughs) angle. Um, Is that that what it's called? It's it's called, it's it's a euphemism. (laughs) I guess. Dutch angle, Shaisa. Can I, can I make an amendment to what I said last week? Because I I listened back to the episode uh, and I, I realized I... I, I, I should have clarified that when I was suggesting music of the Smiths, uh, I, I left out a, a very important album. I, I was trying to suggest like getting started with the Smiths, like the stuff that I got started with the Smiths that I think are a good way to get started with like what made the Smiths the Smiths in the early days. Oh, so I, okay. I suggested the album called the Smiths and Half Full Apollo, but I left off their their greatest work, which is The Queen is Dead, which is, uh, you know, you could start with The Queen is Dead, but I think you'll appreciate it more when you see the leap they made in a couple of years. Um, you know, that's kind of their revolver. But, okay. you know, uh, yeah, please unhear me. I'm really sorry. Sorry, everybody. Mm. 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 Brutal. We got we to gotta do a short one today, Dan. Well, I mean, it's not sh- it's 90 minutes. Yeah. Seems generous. Yeah, reasonable. Yeah. Um, I have a little bit of follow-up things. I'm not going to talk about our email we got this week. I'm oh, not going to talk about it. have to. Oh, my God. The, the, the saga continues with uh, the, the, the guy, one of the many numerous people who's very excited about our program and mm-hmm. wants their person to be on the show. I think we mentioned last week that we received an email from this person specifically highlighting yeah. how much he liked the most recent episode of our program. It was misaddressed to Aaron, who also has a show here on 5x5. Five Five, yes. Which is, you know, whatever, no big. So, you know, but I let it go, right? Just let it go. Stupid can't stick to me, right? Let it go. But then he did the thing. He circled back. He just wanted to check back in, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. I uh, just wanted to see if uh, uh, if you're uh, interested in doing this. <laughs> uh, and I think I wrote back and I, 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 
I think it was a, basically a two word email I wrote back. I said, Aaron, who? <laughs> because because he's, he's, he's hoisted by his own petard because he's <laughs> highlighting, first of all, he's highlighting in, in a different typeface because it was the result of probably of a bad mail merge. Yes. He's saying, I really enjoyed your show about emotional reservoir. <laughs> Um, Aaron, Aaron, I really like your show about emotional reservoir. So, you know, I don't discount the fact that he just might be confused. He might think that we're Aaron. Yeah. But, uh, I don't think that's the case. So, you know, I, 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 I drafted an email, but then I didn't send it because I'm trying to evolve as a person, Dan, but I did, I did draft in. <laughs> so you, you wrote it and never, and never. Nope. As REM says, letter never sent. No, I, I said, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that's actually our show and Aaron does a different show. So. This seems like a whole confused thing. What are we trying? What are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> but you know, anyway, the yeah, yeah, and then, and then, you know what? I've said enough. We got. No, we you got, tell about the other one. Oh, I feel bad. No, I feel bad. No, they don't. Got, they clearly don't listen. So that's not a, an issue. This is a well, no, because people only write this email when they actually really care about what you oh, do. Oh, this guy. Sad. Okay, this one. Yes, yes. What no, were you we thinking? Should, of? No, no. The, the yes. Let's talk about this one. No, this no, is no, important. Just, no, this is important. Now. No, no. no. <laughs> but this nice man wrote this really, ultimately, if he left out a few sentences, would have been the nicest fan letter ever. Mm. Except it was this incredibly histrionic uh, letter about, it was probably four or five paragraphs, big paragraphs long, about how much he enjoyed the show, but alas, mm. he, he would not be able to listen to it anymore because we spoiled Mr. Robot for him by saying two words. Yeah, and the, the problem that I have with this is, I've, obviously, I mean, I feel, I feel bad uh, because this... Well, we didn't even mean to. We like I, no, I caught I myself after I'd said it, and I don't think it spoils the show. It doesn't. I, it really does I think doesn't. if you're actually watching the show, I doubt that that is the single this plot is a, twist here, how about this? the whole thing hangs. How about this? If I were to say to you, uh, oh, you know, I'm thinking of seeing Star Wars, and you looked at me and you said, lightsaber. Or, that would or not like, ruin the movie for me. Right. That might make me want to see it more. However, it did ruin it for this guy and he's 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 so well written he's he's connected to his emotions he's uh he's clearly smart this is the kind of listener we want you know and we ruined it but it's a it's a funny genre of of note which i have written in my life to be sure but it's 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 well written but not well thought out because you know maybe a better way to put that would say put that would be to say you know hey I really like your show. It's one of my favorite shows. By the way, this is the first time I've ever contacted you. But, you know, uh, but yeah, hey, you know, the spoiler thing's a, a bummer. And, like, you should stop doing that. Right. Like, I think that's a totally legitimate thing to say. And I actually have, believe it or not, tried to get better at that. It's very, here's the thing. With stuff like, especially stuff like Netflix and stuff like movies that go from the theater to being available within, like, weeks, it's extremely difficult to be able to talk about something current yeah. without spoiling it for somebody. Mm. So what do we do? We just don't talk about like the the all the amazing shows that are out there and movies that are out there. That's one approach, but you know, in order to explain to somebody why you like it a lot, you have to talk about what happens in it. And anyway, I I feel bad because I didn't mean to like you know sort of shame this person, but you know, just the, like the first time you contact somebody is to say you don't want to be their friend anymore. <laughs> it's it's so odd. <laughs> like really think about that before yeah. you send. You know, this is. 
one, one, one thing I tell all my kids, Dan, is, is to really think about <laughs> whenever you whenever you send in, and I, I am not perfect at this, but if you want to do one thing to get better at email, and I'm not just talking about this dude, like in general, is I, I've in the past perhaps erroneously referred to it as email's unit test. But like you should be able to, before you type a single letter into that email, definitely before you type a person's name in there, you should be able to envision what you want to see happen or change in the world as a result of having having written that email. This sounds so obvious, but very few people do this regularly. So you ask yourself, I am sending this email because, and if things go the way I would like like it to with this email, the following will happen. Now, if you do that, you will suddenly write a very different email. Because for one thing, now you realize that all you're really trying to do is ask a question. So your goal is maybe to get that question answered. Maybe your goal is to get that person to buy, um, buy your product. Maybe you're trying to get that person to help you find something. But figure out the one thing you want to happen in the world and then make that the entire focus of the note. So if you say, and then, and then to get really go to the pro level, have a subject line that reflects that. And I, I think if you're honest, if one is honest with oneself, the next time you write an email, try that. And I think you'll find you write a very, very different email rather than writing the equivalent of a first draft to get everything off your, off your mind. Um, really focus on that. And so what's the unit test there? Well, in this case, I'm not sure what, what's supposed to change in the world apart from I'm supposed to feel bad. I don't have, I don't, there's nothing else I can draw from that. Um, but I do appreciate that, that the fellow probably has like conflicted feelings because he obviously really likes the show. It's just that he's mad now and he had to let us know. But, you know, so now that's our relationship. It's like he set the tone for that and now here we are. Um, now it's all this. Now, do you so, think he um, is still listening even though he said he, he wasn't gonna? I wouldn't want to speculate. I think he is. But, you know, if our listening fella, uh, I apologize that we, that we, spoiled Mr. Robot for you. We did not intend to do that. We're very grateful that you've listened in the past and I hope you will find us useful again. If somebody knows this guy, please tell him. Um, But man, sometimes, geez Louise. Well, do do you get what I'm saying though? No, I really do. I really do. You know, and I, I have to say again, this is comes partly out of a conversation I had recently with someone who was having to deal with a large amount of email from fairly aggressive demanding, and at times nearly hostile and passive-aggressive people. And this person was, was getting very emotional about it and finding it difficult to respond because the person was sort of torn apart by like, oh, I don't even want to accept the context under which this was sent. But like for me to respond, now I have to be the one who sounds aggressive, plus I'm angry, plus we don't have time for this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, to me, that's where it's worth taking a minute with any communication to go, okay, you know, how many times have you been in those threads that just go on and on and on and on and there's no reason they should ever actually end? Like, how do we know we're done here? Like, every meeting should have some sense of like, this is what we need to accomplish here, right? And then when we are done, like, wait, here's what we need to do next. And then when we start the next meeting, we say, did we do what we said we were going to do? These kinds of dumb, like just perfunctory little rituals when we're trying to communicate with each other can really clarify what what we have to do. You well, know? I, but I think a lot of people don't know those rules or have never been told or have never seen someone operate that way so they don't know and they're just kind of guessing a lot about that you know like there are so many people around right now in startups and other places where they may have learned like scrum and agile development and things like that but they they've never seen effectively like here's how we can get eight people in a room together and make something important happen in 15 minutes and then we can all go back to work like they've never They've never seen that. They've only heard, you know, the the uh, the 30, 37 Signals folks be like, we don't have meetings. We just uh, we do a stand up once a week. You know, th- like they don't understand that 
you can actually have a meeting that's effective or been shown like, here's how to write a really effective email that makes the person want to reply to you. They've never seen that, you know, they might be able to pair, uh, you know, develop with somebody really effectively and like knock out 20 features in a day and be like, yeah, dude, like, you know, pair programming, but they've never, they've never seen uh, that human interaction level of how to like, effectively communicate with other people in a way that, uh, that, that, that helps them as much as it helps you. Right. If it's, it's almost like if it's never been modeled for you and re- repeatedly, like would, why would you think that? But this goes back to something we talked about a few weeks ago and talking about holacracy, um, which I'm still not prepared to talk about with any sanity, but <laughs> you know, but, but I'm, it's my feeling that when people say they, they dislike management or they dislike structure or they dislike, um, you know, supervision or any of those things, I think they're really saying they dislike bad management. They dislike mm. bad rules. They mm-hmm. dislike bad supervision. Um, and I, I don't think the answer to those things is getting rid of them. I think the answer is trying to make them better and having the confidence in your group, your team, your company to say it's worth putting resources into getting the, the best of all of these things that we can. But also, you know, to use a sports ball metaphor, you know, keep your eye on the ball. Like, why are we here? Email is so easy. In some ways, it's so easy to send email. We talked about this constantly, but I just to reiterate, it does not cost anything really to send an email, right. and it and it is incredibly also disproportionate. It's very easy for you to send a one or two line email that could represent two years of work for somebody, and it didn't cost you any more to send that email than one saying, "I'll take care of that." Mm-hmm. That costs exactly the same. But now that's on that person to have to deal with with your email as well as the potential work that spins out of that, and so you know. That that easiness and cheapness of of email makes it so that we can also then just keep pushing this little puck around, whether that's even the game we want to be playing or not. But this is what we do: we push this puck around, and it's like you know, at some point somebody has to jump in and say, like, okay, well, what needs to change in the world today? Like, who's going to do that, <laughs> and how do we get that accomplished? Because you know, I think there are a lot of people, especially the people who think they're great at email, who would be perfectly satisfied to just keep going. Good idea. Or, yeah, I agree, or whatever, and just keep moving this thing around instead of actually accomplishing anything. There is, you know, often when you send an email to someone, there is this feeling of kind of, I don't want to say passing the buck around, but like it's this it's this sort of corporate-y kind of culture of, well, I was asked this, so now, it's, you know, everyone, everyone here has to pitch in, so here's, you know, and I get, I still get these emails like this from, like, we're dealing with sponsors, and, like, we just had a sponsor who, who wrote and said, you know, they represent another, they represent the company that's actually spending the money. They're, like, uh, they, like, place the ads for them, mm-hmm. and they're, like, well, you know, we, we need, because a lot of the time we'll, we'll, when we're selling a show, not to get like too inside baseball, but we'll sell a show. We'll be like, it gets this range of downloads, you know, and, and, and the range might be, you know, vary by from this many thousand to this many thousand. And they'll say, well, we actually, you know, now they, they're coming back and they're like, well, we want real numbers, not just a range. And I said, okay, well, what if we give you like the mean from the last 10 episodes? Would that work? I'm like, well, yeah, whatever works for you. Like, <laughs> well, you asked us, to give you numbers, what kind, tell, tell us what numbers you want. And so like, this is three emails back and forth now of like, tell us what you actually want, you know? And if, do you want a mean, do you want a median? Do you like, you know, there's no, different and, terms because, I can look up to give you what you want. Just there's, tell there's, us an what it is. there's an elephant in the room there. Cause I've had that, had to deal with that, actually that same request. 
And the elephant in the room, it gets clearer when you say to them, okay, well, um, what, what does that number mean to you? And what are the ramifications if that number differs this week? That's the real question. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what, what they really, and so, so in, and in your case, you might be saying, well, is that just because you want a pretty good idea of what our audience is? Or is that because you want to be able to say that you'll pay less if it doesn't get that much? Because then that's a different thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, we joked about this in the past, but when you say to somebody, uh, what do you want for dinner? Or where do you want to go for lunch? For me, when I'm asking someone that, um, you know, I, I'm not asking that purely out of politeness and deference. I'm asking that because I want your help to figure this out. And so if they say, oh, whatever you want is fine. Well, then you really haven't helped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want you to, I want you to carry some of the load here because the truth is if I pick a food you want, you don't want, or I pick a restaurant you don't want, then we both failed at this because we didn't really communicate. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it, I guess the, the, the point to any of this is to, to go beyond just the words that we sling at each other to like, you know, what we're actually trying to accomplish. And, you know, having a little bit of context for that in an email is not a bad idea, but then don't, don't diddle around too much about getting to the point of what you want someone to do and when, right? So I think we are sometimes, I know I am... I, I don't want to sound aggressive and I don't want to sound presumptuous when I email people. And I think most of us feel that way. We don't want to seem like we're being demanding. So we tend to cushion it with a ton of stuff and like, and, and, and weasel words and how's your weekend kind of stuff. And it's, you know, sometimes the, the right answer is no. Sometimes the right answer is to just give somebody an answer. If you give somebody an indecisive answer, now you're into that one email turns into four emails problem. You've also left an expectation hanging that you don't want hanging. So just say what it is you want. You know, that's the best way to get what you want in life is to ask for it. Smart stuff, man. Mm. Button this up? Not yet. Um, did you want to tell me about anything that you like today? I would tell you about Wealthfront. I've told you about them before, but they've, they've updated some stuff here and I want to, I'm going to tell you about it. So, uh, here I go. Wealthfront, low cost automated investment service. That is how I'm, when people come up to me on the street and they're like, hold on now, what is this Wealthfront thing? That's, that's the way to think of it. Automated because that's where they have spent their time and, and, and effort here. So that you will invest your money the right way. The system, it works 24-7 to manage your portfolio. Keep it diversified. This is key. Customized to your risk profile, which you will tell Wealthfront when you sign up. How risky do you want to be? I don't want to be very risky because, you know what, I want to retire in five years. Very different from the person who's just starting out in their career. They can be pretty risky. They could lose everything and get it back. They've got plenty of time. They're not always worried. Go crazy, right? You fill out this profile. It it computes all of this and then they build they build a profile within their system of this is now how it's going to be investing and you know everybody knows they should be investing for the long term you know for for you for your family's financial health you probably wondered like how do i do this what do i do what am i supposed to do how do i make this happen most investors you know they they work with traditional advisors and they get charged huge fees 1% is the average there are people who charge 3%. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a, a 3% of your whole thing. And that can grow uh, astronomical. Wealthfront, 0.25%. But they have a special deal for 5x5 listeners. Here it is. You are going to sign up. You'll get this customized uh, profile that they recommend. And just for 5x5 listeners, 
they will manage your first, now it's $15,000, entirely free of charge for life. So that means in addition to never paying any commissions, no hidden fees, you won't pay any management fees for the first 15K uh, invested. Without that, you would start with only 10K managed free. We're giving you 15. The URL to go to is wealthfront.com, wealthfront.com slash five by five. That'll get you the, the special deal there. So thanks very much to wealthfront.com. And I have to read a disclaimer, which they've also changed, Merlin. They have, that is, it's different now. Nice. For compliance purposes, I have to tell you that Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risk, and there is a possibility of losing money. Past performance, no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read the full disclosure. Go check it out. 15K. That's a lot of K. It's a lot of money. Invest that. And in uh, like uh, like six months, you'll be a, a multi-billionaire. That's not a guarantee. <laughs> I have to read something here. Go ahead. Dan is frequently wrong. Um, <clears throat> email, you know, I feel like I've gotten my, my hands around the email situation now, finally. Um, I didn't do what you said to do, which was like, Command A, delete uh, everything from that, you know, from like more than a few months ago. I still have it in there. Yeah. But I I treated it as if it wasn't there anymore. And I started just saying, you know what, I'm going to go back. And I think I went back like to the beginning of the month, last month, and just went through everything, replied to everything. And, and like, I'm caught up. And I did it on the... How many email accounts do you have? Oh, I mean... Like that, I have a that bunch you of check different... regular. Well, I mean... I have several different email addresses associated with who I am, but they all kind of go to the same place. Right. So you have basically one, one true account that you're checking. Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> because I'm not prying. No. I'm just trying to build a new scheme for myself. Yes. And, and, and that is, I have multiple email, separate email accounts, right? So like I've got the old one from Hive Logic Days. I've got the five by five one. I've got an Archer Avenue one. I've got an, and I find that that in and of itself creates a huge, huge problem that I have these different accounts that go to, you know, to, to they're, they're truly separate. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that. Th- I did that because I thought, oh, I can kind of compartmentalize stuff. I can go in and say, well, when I want to look at like, personal email or email from friends, it's kind of going to this one thing. And if I want to go to stuff that's related to like selling, selling uh, podcast ads, then that's going to be over here. And, and, but in fact, it just makes it more confusing because then I, I lose track of what's what I've always got multiple email accounts to set up in different devices and it, it does become difficult and a nightmare. Yeah. I, I think the, the benefits of having different email accounts are mostly theoretical, except when they're not. <laughs> um, and, and well, and when they're not is that, for example, if you're inside of an organization that's under whatever Sarbanes-Oxley kind of constraints, or you're in a corporate environment where you, there's a strict, you know, you've got a, this exchange server like is don't use this for anything but this, never write this kind of stuff in here. I mean, I, I have to imagine a lot of people have jobs like that. Um, plus, you know, if you're, if you're a lawyer, you probably don't like sending email to your friends that has that giant disclaimer, disclaimer at yeah. the bottom. So there are times when you have to use different accounts for different things, and that makes sense. I think the idea of having different, especially personal accounts or most business accounts for different things, I think it's largely an illusory benefit because you, you're either... 
I mean, there's a part of me that used to think, well, that's great because I can tell my family, here's my secret address to yeah. send to. Uh, that means I can just go look at business stuff over here. It means that, you know, but, you know, then if you're really doing that, you're also creating numerous multiple inboxes for yourself. And the that's, more inboxes that's it, you, yes. Yeah, the more inboxes you accept, the more anxiety you generate and maintain. So, you know, I mean, as long as your app that you're using uh, has a correct, uh, reply to address. So like if you, if I get something at five by five, mm-hmm. my app will also have my response come from five by five. It's, oh, not, right. it's not, not even so much of a privacy thing exactly, but it's something to keep in mind. Um, you know, but it's, it's also, there's just also that just that, that general issue of like, we treat email in such a weird paradoxical way. On the one hand, we all claim that it's this incredibly important thing that we have to take very seriously, but then we kind of futz around with it and we do this and we do that. And it's like, to me, the most serious way you can take email is for what it is, which is usually a some kind of a, a, a piece of information that will be truly alive for about 36 hours. Mm. And you might get email that you've got to do something about and can't do anything about now. But by and large, if you think about it, you, there's a number you can probably come up with where like, if I don't do anything about this email within this many hours, then these kinds of things happen. And that could be, I get fired because I didn't respond to the email. Right. Or it could be nothing really happens and it didn't really matter. But I think that's important to remember. And if you, if you look at it that way, it's sort of like thinking you're going to save every week's New York Times that you haven't finished yet. It's like, well, that's, oh, you yeah. could, you could do that. What a great keep, analogy. Cause it's not really alive anymore. And as much as you wanted to do it, then it's not a, a newspaper is not as valuable the day after it comes out. Cause now there's other stuff. So, I mean, that can sound like a huge source of pressure, but it only sounds like a huge source of pressure if you're still living in this world where, you know, what your schedule is has anything to do with what the world demands of you. Because nobody cares. Nobody cares what your schedule is. Nobody cares if you're sick today. Nobody cares if you just found out your cat has leukemia. You're just going to get a bunch of stuff. But like, you know, your bulwark against that world is to accept and then defend the lines about what you are capable of doing. Once you accept that impossible, like I said last week, once you accept that impossibility, you stop trying to improve upon it and you deal with the parts that you can do something about, which is make sure, you know, get notifications from important people, like never miss those emails. And like, you know, for what it's worth, like I do, I, I, I'm, I generally have all the stuff out of my inbox with an asterisk by the end of the day and generally within a given week I'm not getting stuff showing up that's more than a few days old Mm. Um, and and, you know like the apps that I use make it easy to snooze stuff for a few days you know if I'm not going to do anything about if I'm not going to if I know I'm not going to pay this bill today I might as well kick it to next week to remind me about that that's fine but uh, anyway I just I don't know I feel like a lot of people already kind of have given up on email that they get but they haven't given up on the email they send and that's that's an interesting disconnect. I don't know if that's correct, but I think a lot of people go like, well, you know, I do what I can, but the stuff that I get, but like, boy, if you want something, you really, you're going to send that and you're going to follow up and did yeah. you get my email and I'm going to circle back and doodly doodly do. So, you know, I think to have any sense of sanity though, you have to take it for what it is, which is like some information that'll be alive for a little while, but every day you don't do something about it, it, be, it not only becomes less useful for you to do something about, it becomes more stressful for you to keep fussing about. So just get rid of it. I was, I got an email from a friend of mine who I'm working or going to be working on a project with. And up until now, he and I have been mostly chatting over instant message, you know, and he's, he's uh, one of these Android people. So, 
you know, I can use like Gtalk with him and he'll get it on his phone, like a text message. I think he uses Google Hangout. So it shows up there. And when he's on his computer, he can also type. And it's, you know, it's, it's like an iMessages thing, but it's a little different because at least until this line got blurred in, in messaging between, am I typing this to a person on my computer and they're getting it on their computer or am I typing it on the computer and they're getting it on their phone or does it matter anymore? You know, that line, that line is completely blurred. We used to know I'm sending a text message and that means it's going from my phone to that person's phone. Mm -hmm. Now maybe it's going to their computer. Maybe they're typing on a computer and sometimes you'll get people who are just typing and typing and paragraphs and everything else. And you realize you you and I, you and I both do that. Syracuse and I do that where like, you know, sometimes you can tell that we're both on a desktop. Right. And, and I can, and like, you can certainly tell when you're on a desktop and I'm not like, you tend, you tend to write to me in like afternoons and evenings. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm doing something else and I'll be like, I'm trying to cross the street or something (laughs) like that. Right. But like, I'm the same way. I'll send these giant missives to people if I'm on my desktop and I don't think twice about it. Yeah. And I think that that line now has, has been blurred, but I was talking to him and we were having a really good conversation back and forth, uh, sharing of ideas and things like that. And it was all over instant message. And then, uh, I was chatting with him and I guess he got busy. I didn't hear from him for a few days and I got a very long email from him, really well written, very well thought out, making lots of different points and things. And he started it off by saying, Hey, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm super busy for the next you know week or so. And, and like, I am, isn't really working for me. And so I want to, you know, take this over to email. Well, like I am, it has kind of become the way that I talk with important people about important things. You know what I mean? Like I am mm-hmm. is the way to get me. If you really want to talk to me about something and it's important, let's I am about it because I will definitely get it, you know, and I will definitely respond. It's kind of the way that like that secret inbox that you're describing could work in that, you know, uh, that's the stuff that no matter what, I'll get that and I'll reply to that. Even if I miss this other email, I'll get the important one that came to the important box. I am has kind of become that for me in a lot of ways. And, uh, and, and he's kind of taken it to a place that now is like auto, almost automatically going to be kind of a black hole and that there's so much less of a chance that I'll be able to interact with him the way that he's wanting. He's saying, this is important to me. Therefore, let's move it to email. And I had been saying, this is important to me. Therefore, let's keep it in IM. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so like, I, I don't know if there is a, a middle place to meet. It just simply means that like now I need to, to make sure that I flag his emails and then I get back to them right away and then I keep an eye out for them and because and, 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 I want to work with him on this thing. But now it means I need to like change the way that I would prefer to work to accommodate the way that he would prefer to work because I want to work with him and I'm not complaining about it, but it's just, yeah, it can also just mean like almost like different definitions of important, uh, that, that, that are, that are equally valid. Like in your case, um, it's, it sounds like, I mean, in addition to the fact that you like the, the format of messages, that it's important because like, this is the place where I talk to the important people. Like, I don't want this to go get lost in that sea of words from strangers that I have to go deal with in email, right? Kind of. Yeah. And like, and like for him, maybe he's taking it very seriously by saying, well, no, like we're, I'm going to do this as email because this is more information, more dense information that needs to be all in one thing. Yeah. And they both, they both, they both make sense. No, they totally do. And I'm not, I hope I don't sound like I'm complaining about it. I'm not, but it's, we, we have these multiple, uh, ways of communicating with people and they're, this just kind of woke me up to the fact that, you know, like 
it for a very long time it was e- email is for important stuff i am is for like silly stuff um, oh, but yeah, right. not anymore right like i am i i have people who are you know talking with me and making very important in some cases financial decisions over i am you know i i'm mm-hmm. talking we're we're moving into a different office space that's that's much uh better for us that's a better size and and will work better and like i'm talking to the real estate guy and we're like making adjustments to the lease and stuff over i am and that's great you know like i would rather not have to do that with email he can say oh how would this work and i'll tell him and you know the only thing you know 10 years ago i could not imagine that doing any way especially with people in that particular field doing that in any way except maybe phone but probably in person that's the kind of thing where you go to somebody's office to talk right, about that. Right. Isn't that amazing that you, yeah. you would do that today? Yeah. Or like texting with your doctor. Like who would have imagined that? Right, like right. that's the stuff like that. that. That's weird. it's so yeah, I think there's also a um cascade's the wrong word, I guess, but you know, a hierarchy of, you know, convenience and importance and availability. Like, you know, and I just have to say, you know, John Syracuse is actually really great at this. Sometimes we'll start talking over here in, in Twitter and he'll say, well, let's take this to IM. And I am maybe like, you know, let's take it to email. And then like, well, let's just talk about it when we, you know, talk to each other next. And that's something I've tried to get better at. You know, for example, like finding out from the babysitter that everything went okay and the kids went to sleep. That's a really good use of text. Text, yeah. Like uh, I was approached by, out of nowhere, by by a very interesting new sponsor this last week. And I, it was, it was very strange. It worked, it's working out really well, but like it was purely an email kind of thing where I was like, oh, let me understand what you're doing here. Like, I don't understand how you know who I am. I don't understand any of this. Uh-huh. I need to like vet this. Like, that's the kind of thing where like I said, okay, I'm going to, if it's cool, I'd like to email you. We could have a call, but I'd like to just email you these three or four questions and you answer them at your leisure. She did. She flipped it back in about an hour. And so we're doing business. So that's a case where email is great for that, partly because of the credibility of like, I can see like, you know, not just what their address is, but you know, there's, there's credence to that. Like if I, I would be circumspect if I got a text from a stranger about business, that would seem weird to me. Right. That would seem a little bit, a little too much. Yeah. But where an an email from a stranger, perfectly fine. Right. And then you go to the next level, uh, I guess in some ways is, well, you know, Hey, we're, we're going back and forth a lot here. Uh, You, I know you and I have done this dozens of times. Let's just have a quick call because it is so much easier to like sit in, in the same like existential, you know, <laughs> you're both sitting in a place and talking on the phone. You can settle so much, so much more quickly with so much less confusion. And I think a lot of people are reluctant to admit that because they'd like to just keep passing emails around because it's easier and you don't have to talk to somebody. But there are definitely times you'd be like, hey, you know, let's just do a quick call. And like you could settle something with the two of you concentrating at one time, you can settle something confusing that might take you weeks or never if you didn't actually talk about it. Right. I have, I love, and I've, I said this before in uh, maybe when my fever, my fever state, but yeah. you know, like at the value of a phone call and, and be how much you can accomplish in a phone call. And at the same time, you get the intonation, you get the, the sound of someone's voice, you get the joke, you get the seriousness, the intent comes across so much more effectively in the human voice, even with these wonderful new emojis with all the different skin colors that we have, like so much more can be communicated in such a short, quick phone call. Oh, yeah. And um, our, uh, our, one of our mutual friends, we were IMing and he, he, you know, after three or four little IM phone rings, it's him. And he's like, I just, just figured make, we'd do a just call. Just make, make sure if he texts you, make sure you text him back or he will steam about it. Okay. If it's who I think it is. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Like, like that, that becomes a phone call. I, I never have a problem with that. I would almost always 
rather have a five minute call as assuming that I can, that my kids aren't going bonkers. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would almost, uh, yeah. almost always rather just jump on a quick call and, and chat with someone because I like people and I like to hear their voice and I like to talk to them. And I, you know, I feel like it's still so much more personal, but what do you feel about like, if you are, if, if, if you're emailing back and forth with somebody and you've emailed and asked them a series of questions in the email, yeah. do you feel that, is it valid to shift mediums and reply to that person in something that you feel is, is a more effective way to communicate? For example, if I send you an email and right. there's, I ask you five questions in the email and your response is to call me at 1 a.m. that night to reply. Do you feel that that's valid or, or is it better out of respect to reply to the person via email, via the way they contacted I, I you? Think, I think generally speaking, especially with people you don't know well, it's better to keep it in whatever band you're, you're, you're working in. But you know, let me say one thing here because I think I'm approaching a unified field theory that I never, uh, I, I think I might have a thought technology. All right. Because, but you, you, because you're getting at something that I'm, I'm really just now kind of realizing. Because, okay, so you, so you think about texting, you think about email, messages you think about phone calls well then what's what's the obvious kind of fourth thing like a face-to-face meeting right and like and so like a face-to-face meeting what's that so we talked about how like an email is uh or a phone call is good as you're introducing more subtlety and density that can be a great way to be able to suss things out but then on the other hand i've been on conference calls where there's a bunch of people in a room on a crappy conference, you know, a crappy um, phone. I can't hear anything. I don't know what's happening in the room. People are laughing. People are walking in and out. I can't read the room at all. They forget that I'm on the call, which is fine. But like, that's not really a meeting. That's, that's, that, and so many of the things that people do have that flavor to it. There's way too many people there. Why am I on this call? But then what is a meeting really? Well, a meeting is the next level up where I guess what I'm trying to get at, if you think about going from text to email, to phone call, to meeting, like, how do we know which one of those is right? Well, it depends on the, first of all, on the, I guess you could say the information density in mm. some ways. So if it's really not information dense, then that's, that's really good for a text, especially if it's somebody you already know. Yeah. If you need a little more density, the email is good. When does the phone call become good? It becomes good. There may not be as much information density because it, you know, on the one hand, you could write an email that takes a, a minute to read, but the phone call might take 15 minutes. I'm going to say it adds more emotional density mm-hmm. because you get so much more about what's happening. And you know, I'm not talking about like talking about our feelings. I'm talking about like being able to understand like that. Oh my gosh, I thought this person was mad at me. They just like to think a lot before they say something. Right. And I never realized that until I met them. There, you know, there are so many things like that. You know, uh, you may not realize maybe this person has a movement disability that makes it hard for them to respond fast. You did not know that in, right. until you talked to them. Right. You know, why would they bring that up? But like, that's the thing is like, at a certain point, it flips over from not just information density, but to emotional density. Like, well, we've done everything we can with this information. Why are we not getting where we need to go? Well, maybe there's something more to this. And so what is great? What's better than like a three-person meeting where you're actually discussing something that all three of you have a strong feeling about and can contribute to? Like that's going to be way better than email. Yeah, I mean, if you're actually trying to produce something, I I would say so. That's my unified field theory. I think that's one way to think about it. Is that it, if you need to add more information density, you know, take it to that next level. But if it's lacking the emotional density, then also maybe consider turboing to to a better level. Mm-hmm. But there are just some people who just do not like talking on the phone. Full stop. And I, I understand and respect that. It's I don't 
love talking on the phone, especially if I don't know what it's going to be about and it's out of nowhere. Like that's weird. Like I don't like just getting phone calls. But anyway, that's I think. What do you think of that? That's kind of a good field theory. I like that theory. Yeah, I like that. Mm, thank you. Um, I just feel like they, that we we lose. There's so it's like you you use the example of you know thinking that someone's angry or thinking that someone's not angry. You know, it's it's so tough to know. And we have these emojis, which I feel like that we're are almost like there's a tipping point happening with them now where maybe it's I have to look them up if I have to look them up (laughs) like what do those little two hands mean are you bowing like what is that the two hands together or the the were you making like an H with your hands what is that you get the you got the two hands yeah you see the back of their hands and like their thumbs are touching like what is that oh I don't know what that one is see I gotta go look it up yeah yeah anyway go ahead it's because we're you know we're out of it I know I know I think I think when you know, we're at this interesting crossroads in, hu- in hu- human history where it has never been so easy to communicate. And we've talked about this, getting access to somebody, right? Like it's never been as easy in the past as it is right now at this very moment to be in touch with someone and to communicate with someone and to, to get their attention instantaneously, regardless mm-hmm. of what they're doing. And we've all become programmed. I mean, we've got phones, we've got watches, we've got all of these devices that are just making it easier and easier and easier to give up at that access to ourselves that used to be, you know, I, I forget what movie it was, but there was this uh, movie that was at least 20 or 30 years old and somebody wanted to talk to someone else and they said, oh, well, you know, you, you, can, you can wait here for that person. I'm not sure when they'll be done. Okay, well, I'll wait here. And they spent the day waiting in the all person's President's office. Men. It might have, it might be. It could be. Well, Dustin Hoffman tries to go see the guy in I Miami with a check in his Hoffman. safe. Mm-hmm. That's weird that you would remember that when I couldn't. But like the idea of waiting for somebody and, and people being hard to get to or hard to talk to and that somehow there is this imaginary force field around people that, why well, I can't just go and talk to that person, you know, right. and, and now that's, that's really gone and people want it that way. You know, like you're considered like a bit of a schmuck if you're uh, like uh, a, a famous person and don't interact with your Twitter followers, you know, right. um, you're, you're like, you're like somehow a bad, like you have an obligation to reply to anybody that wants your attention. And if you're not, right. you know, well, I tweeted it. I mean, he never replied to me, so he's a jerk, you know? <laughs> But there's also something to this that's it's it's so obvious that it's easy to miss is that if you wanted someone's attention in another age, um, you might write them a letter uh, or you might call them. But if you called them, you would frequently call during business hours and you wouldn't necessarily talk directly to that person. Maybe. But I mean, you, you, you couldn't just pick up a phone at one in the morning and expect somebody to pick up. Right. That's that's mental. Like no, no one would do that. But here's here's the interesting thing now is even when you ask for someone's attention, you're tacitly taking their attention. And I mean, maybe, maybe best typified by the Bluetooth uh, uh, phrase. Um, can I ask you a question? <laughs> well, you just did. Yeah. And now I'm talking to you. So now you have my attention. Even, I mean, I'm not trying to say don't c- contact people, but it's interesting that like today in an age of whatever texting emails, Google this and that, uh, just even asking for somebody's attention takes their attention. Yeah. It's not, there's a, and there's a cost. I mean, so that happens once. Like, but for a lot of people, that's happening hundreds of times a day without, then you, you haven't even had any communication yet, <laughs> except to ask if we can have communication. 
You know, it's like somebody somebody emailing you to ask if they can email you. I don't know, people. Well, you know, it's like that old joke that you would uh, play the the schoolyard uh, the trick that I, oh, I totally, totally did this to, to my son and got him. I got him so bad with it. It's where you take the one person, you say, here, put, put your hand out. And they put their hand out. And you hold their wrist in one hand and you hold your finger pointing at the palm of their hand. And you hold the finger just above the surface of their hand. And you're like, okay, am, am I touching you now? No. Am I touching you now? No. Am I touching you now? No. And then you say, I've been touching your wrist the whole time. Got you. Whoa. You know? The call's coming from inside the wrist. Mind blown. Truth bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Uh, did you want to tell me something else you like? I would love to tell you about our friends over at Linda, L-Y-N-D-A. They have a special URL for Back to Work listeners. Lynda.com slash Back to Work. Linda is the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses. You can go there and you can learn all kinds of stuff. The course I frequently point people at is uh, the Getting Things Done course. They went and they, they got a little guy, uh, Dave and Allen to go and teach this course. That's the kind of uh, playing field that they've opened up. You want to learn GTD from David Allen, you can do that. You can go to lynda.com. They got, is it Draplin or, or, or Draplin? I think it's Draplin. The amazing the field, uh, notes? The field, notes, field notes guy. Yeah. He's got a thing on there. Like they have the best people, whether they're designers or whether they're GTD folks or whether they're, you know, going to teach you how to like you know, work audio equipment and make a recording or to do photography or learn Excel or do your own income tax. Like they have a course on everything there. And the way that they've designed these courses that you can jump in and get like a bite-sized chunk, or you can go and like spend an hour learning something. And the example that I've given is not that long ago when we were do, needed to make some videos and doing some video editing, I didn't realize, I thought it was all Final Cut Pro all the way down, but it's not. There are lots of other alternatives out there. There's stuff from Adobe, there's stuff from Avid, there's uh, so many different things. And I thought, great, what am I going to like look at screenshots? Am I going to spend hours downloading and installing the trial versions of these different things to figure out which one I can wrap my head around? And You should uh, buy some tutorials on CD. Buy CD-ROMs with movies on them. Yeah. Well, what you can do, I realized this, I'm like, wait a minute, I've got Linda. You go to Linda and I and they have intro courses on each one of these that are like maybe five minutes long each where they've got a pro in the field showing you this is how this piece of software works. They're not going to dive in and like show you here's how you cut and do a transit. No, they're like, this is the workspace. This is what it looks like. Here's how to use it. And I watched all three of those videos and in 15 minutes I knew which one I was going to get and try out and, and actually then do the download and, and work through the advanced or intermediate tutorials on it. It was great. This is the kind of time savings you get with Linda, and you can really, really learn amazing stuff. They're giving a free 10-day trial to our listeners. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash back to work. Support the show and go get a free trial. You get access to all 3,000 videos during that trial. So imagine what you could learn in, in, in 10 days. Go check them out. Thanks very much to Linda for supporting Back to work with Merlin Man. Buck, buck. Whoo. We're setting him up and knocking him down. Yeah. Throwing rocks tonight. <laughs> Did you watch it again? No, 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 no. It's always there. It always looms large. Yeah. I've been starting to feel like I should uh, watch Glengarry again. I don't know why. Man, there's so many, uh, so many good movies. Hey, Fury Road is officially out. I bought it last night on the iTunes. Nice. So get it. It's got lots of great extra features. 
Um, just go get it. Just don't even think about it. It seems like it made to iTunes too fast. Is it a bad, was it a crappy movie or something? Yeah, it's just, they had to just get it. Direct to DVD, they call it. Uh, Straight to video. Oh, right. Like Snow White 2, Snow White's Revenge. Like those Disney movies. Did you see Jurassic World? No. Shoot. No, you didn't miss much. Yeah. Oh, my heart's broken about the Fantastic Four. Did you see that? I haven't seen that. Oh God, no, no! I'm just it's it's I'm I'm inconsolable. What a mess! What a mess! This is what the fourth Fantastic Four movie, and like in a million years, would you have guessed that this is the one that's like vying with the Roger Corman version as the lowest rated? Ugh. It's like it's so. It sounds like it was just. It sounds DC like. It sounds just like like joyless, self serious, boring, you know, plodding. But like the part that really grinds my gears is that. You know, again, I'm just going to say this because it bugs me. But like the Fantastic Four was the first great Marvel comic. Like before Spider-Man, oh, yeah. before X-Men, before the Avengers, the the comic that kicked off the Marvel age, uh, the Silver Age and like Marvel's great years. Like it was 1961, Fantastic Four comes out and it ran in many different forms continuously until this year when Marvel decided to discontinue the, f- the first great comic they ever had, maybe because they're out of ideas, but I don't think so. I think they pretty overtly said, we're going to, we're going to like take a little break from Fantastic Four because we don't want to end up promoting this movie that Fox is making. I understand that that may have also been a factor in Wolverine going away. Mm. I mean, I think we've had plenty of Wolverine at this point, but, but you know, still just the same. It's like, God, what a, what a slap in the face of the legacy of your company. Like, and all for this, like, this is where we are now. So, like, no Fantastic Four comic and this terrible movie. Like, wow, I hope, hope you feel great about yourselves, guys. That's just, it's gross. Well, for those who don't know, it's because the movie studio has the rights to make Fantastic Fox, Four. Fox bought the rights to many Marvel things at ridiculously low fire sale prices when Marvel was about to go bankrupt. Right. They bought the rights to stuff like Fantastic Four. They bought the rights to X-Men, etc. And it's very weird, like, who's allowed in what. Like, you can have, you can have, like, for example, you can have Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver um, as X-Men, right? Yes. But you can't have them, like, as, as their named characters. Those named characters are part of the, still part of the Marvel Anyway, there's, there's graphs you can see about this, but it's super confusing, like, who has the rights to, to what, because, like, three different companies own separate parts. Or until, until recently, right? Spider-Man is now going to be a joint venture with Sony and Marvel, right? That is the, the way that this is falling out. And so this seems like a really good thing because it means, you know, th- that, that the character can finally appear in movies where he would normally be. So that's a big deal. But like with this Fantastic Four, my understanding is that like they need to make a movie every certain number of years to exercise their rights. And if not, that they'll lose them. And I think Mar- that was definitely what happened with the Roger Corman one. Yeah. Was that they, they, they put out a $35 movie because <laughs> if they didn't put one out, and you think those, first, those, those, those two with, uh, with Captain America in them, you think those two are bad? <laughs> Just go watch the trailer for the Roger Corman one. It's, it's pretty funny. Really, I mean, it looks really like somebody bad. made it in their backyard. No, it's terrible, and that's and they basically did, and they just did the absolute minimum that they needed to do to just to keep these rights for it, which is stupid. But uh, you know, Marvel they, they don't want they don't want this to happen. They want that back, and they're not going to get it back. But they're doing everything they can to not promote it, to not make it successful, right. to make it to make it be bad. And it almost makes me wonder 
if the stuff that's going on with Spider-Man right now isn't kind of like that with the with the you know the Secret Wars thing and the Miles Morales thing and and what what's going on with Spidey now is maybe to uh, even though Marvel's involved with the Spider, I don't know. I don't get it. And comics well, thank, are thank weird. Thank God we can finally see Spider-Man in the Avengers where he belongs. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a mess. Um, can I, can I mention a couple things? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Okay. Thank you. Uh, first time food safety talker. I was on our, our friend, Dr. Uh, yes. Donald Schaffner. Yeah. yeah. So Don, Don and his, and, uh, and Ben Chapman do, uh, a podcast called food safety talk. And, uh, there's a couple friends of ours from the internet and actually, uh, Don's the one who brought me to Rutgers to do that talk where I didn't have slides that time. Um, but I was on, uh, I was in Portland to talk at a conference that Don brought me to, uh, food safety conference and I was on their podcast and I think it was really fun, uh, because these guys are super smart about food safety. Now you're saying to yourself food safety, how fun can that be? But it was, it's actually amazingly interesting. First of all, the science of food safety I'm learning is not what you would expect by a long shot. It's so much more interesting and weird. Once you learn how food safety really works, juice is running clear, not actually uh, an indication that it's done. Meat being brown, not an indication that it's uh, undercooked. Meat being pink, not an indication that the meat is still good. There's all kinds of crazy stuff about temperature and time that I didn't know. So we talked about sous vide. We talked about food safety. We talked about the complexities of, of like, uh, for example, I met, I met a couple of the food safety people from um, some giant, giant companies. And their jobs are so interesting and so weird and so difficult. So check it out. Uh, it's in show notes. Um, and I, I really enjoyed doing it. But thanks to Don and Ben for having me on. Uh, Dan, uh, in as much as you can say, where would people find show notes for episode 233 of your Back to Work program? Uh, we would go to 5by5.tv slash B as in Ben, 2 is in the number, W as in Chapman. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can go there. Don and Ben are not the same person, by the no. way. I have, I have no. found this out. Um, you've, been, you've been corrected on that a couple times. I, you know, it's tricky. To keep these guys straight, but I think Don is the good one, and Ben is the one that made me not do beef jerky anymore. Oh, interesting. Did huh. I not? Did I not tell you this? I don't think I knew about that. Yeah, because of the pathogens. <sighs> I was making. See, there's a matrix. A matrix you got to look at, and it's a matrix of temperature and time that will change everything you think about cooking things. It's completely mind blowing. So what? You're cooking it too low, and you weren't killing the pathogens. No. Here's what happened: is I was making. I bought. I got really into, when I first was starting on the paleo thing, I got really into beef jerky. And I said, you know what? There isn't beef jerky. Now you can get it. And it's still very expensive. But back then, you couldn't find, or at least where I lived, it was impossible to find beef jerky that was made from like the good grass-fed beef. It was always, yeah, you know. Like, is, like isn't full of sugar. Right. It, or, so much sugar in Or beef had a ton of soy in it. Or you, mm-hmm. they used soy sauce. You couldn't find a gluten-free, whatever. Uh, so I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do, and I was pretty good with grilling and marinating and things like that. So I made some marinades that were great. And I was, I got a dehydrator designed for making beef jerky and it it had Mm -hmm. a temperature and it dehydrated and it did all the good things that you would want it to do to make beef jerky. And I was getting grass fed meat and I was marinating and I'll tell you what, buddy, you with your fancy flank steaks, I had beef jerky that was better than you could get anywhere else. I mean, it was just amazing. Sounds I, really good. He was eating it. It was great. Everything was good. Then uh, Ben rolls in and he's like, oh yeah, well, you're going to die. He didn't quite say that. I'm paraphrasing. 
But what he said was if, is that the, these home dehydrators that are designed and sold for making beef jerky and include instructions to make beef jerky and recipes, which I didn't use, but recipes to make the beef jerky, uh, that none of this is safe. That what they do in the commercial world is there – I don't know if, it, if it's a heat thing or it's exposure or it's a re, moisture is too much or not enough or whatever it is, those – Professional commercial quality beef jerky things, those are enough to get rid of the bad things in the mm-hmm. beef jerky. But I was not getting rid of the bad things, he said. I was so you, not- were, you were just you were dodging a bullet every time you made it, according to Ben. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I'm sorry to hear that. That's uh that's one of those Ron Popeil ones you see on the TV? The uh, the beef the, the the jerky dehydrator machine? And trying to think of where I got it. I'm looking at Amazon right now as you're saying this. I will find it. Well, maybe I shouldn't. But, ben, but Ben's saying that's true of, of, of any home jerky system. Okay, yes. Is that Anything you can have in your house is not going to work. I'm going to try and find the one that I had. I wound up getting oh, rid home, of it. Home jerky, home jerky considered harmful. Yes. And mm. basically what, what he said is the only thing this thing is good for is like drying out apples and banana chips or something. Mm-hmm. You know, Yeah. Who wants that? So I don't understand why they would even sell this for use at home with instructions on how to make beef jerky and beef jerky marinade recipes. If you know, And I said to I said, well, wait a minute. Doesn't like if I'm putting it in, you know, if I'm adding salt or whatever, isn't that like your tease? No, it's not enough. Anyway, Ugh. long story short. I haven't been able to make the beef jerky and my wife got very upset about this. She's like, don't listen to this CDC guy. He does. He's, he's par- His job is to be paranoid. His job is to be worried. You know, and I said, but no, it now it's, it's inception. It's in my mind. I can't make mm. it anymore. I can't do it anymore. So I, I don't know. It's been five years. I don't know how long it's been since I've been able to make my own beef. Congratulations, jerky. Ben. You ruined jerky. He, ru- he ruined jerky for me and my Ugh. whole family. And, uh, Don's fine. Don comes to Austin and we eat barbecue. Yeah. Boy, that, that's just, that's just, that's a shame. And I liked that's Ben. I liked Ben. Look at you. You're a, you're a shell. If, if I didn't respect him, I wouldn't listen to him. It's no. how much it's because of the respect and admiration I have for him that I do that I've that he's you know his one word can have such an effect on me but the foodsafetytalk.com which is a nice get for them yeah that is good foodsafetytalk.com I put that into the show notes 5by5.tv/b2w/233 boom good listen 79 <laughs> episodes they've done ooh it's a lot of safety were you offended that they didn't have you on for episode 80 that they Push you into the um, also ran episode. I was 79. offended. The Wall Street Journal called me a life hack guru. That's the only thing I've been offended <laughs> about this week. That's wait a minute. Where is that? Chris Ballou from uh, Presidents. This is this is not part of the show, but uh, Chris Ballou from Presidents of the USA. Uh, they had basically an article about podcasts because I, I don't know if you know podcasts were just invented. Yeah. So there's an article in the Wall Street Journal about how they just invented podcasts and uh, and suggesting podcasts you can listen to. And whatnot. And Chris Ballou, uh, who enjoys Roderick on the line, said that's his favorite podcast. What? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Life Hack Guru. Where where can I find this article to read? I guess you'd have to subscribe. It's out there. It's out there. That was nice of them. Yeah, it's nice of them. Chris is a, is a good guy. He's very talented. Um, Podcast Resurgence, your definitive listening guide? Podcast Resurgence. They just <gasps> resur- re- re- reinvented them. They've been reinvented. They're resurging. Have you heard of Serial? Have you heard of Serial? It's a podcast. 
Mr. Baloo's top Thanks. pick, Roderick Thanks. on the Line, a podcast based on phone conversations between life hack guru Merlin Mann and John mm-hmm. Roderick, lead singer and guitarist of the Long Winners. Quote, I listen to it with my teenagers as I drive them to and from school. John and Merlin touch on every subject from music. They talk a lot about music, actually, to Hitler, to theories about drug use, sex, and how people in society work, said Mr. Baloo. And I've told John flat out, you're helping me raise my children because the mix of comedy and real intention to provoke people to think about tough things really gets the conversation going with me and my teenagers. Isn't that a lovely thing to say? Yes. I did not mean to mention that. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. It's going in the show notes. Boom. No. It's well, in. It's I in. Just, that was nice of him to say, but I, I honestly wasn't trying. I, w- I, wanted, to, I wanted to promote something else. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a show we do. Uh, Roderick Online. It's a thing. But what I really wanted to promote is, um, what is this week's episode? Episode 7 of Reconcilable Differences comes out in a couple of days, comes out on Thursday, the 13th. Um, and I, I just, I really want people to listen to this. Um, it's, I really, I like every episode of this we've done. We're going to do 10 episodes. I hope I can make Syracuse to do more, but it's so fun to do. It's just John Syracuse and me talking to each other about how we got, how we are in life. Um, uh, but this week's episode comes out on Thursday. Uh, it's called 50 shades of John mm. and it's me exploring how John thinks, how his thinking process works, and how he got to be the way that he is in terms of being hypercritical and what his evolution over time has been to become who he is. Like going straight to the specifics of like his engineering mind. And I think people are really going to like it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Done. Layers of an onion. You peel and you peel and you peel. There's still more... I got too many Johns in my life. That's my problem. Yeah, you got a lot. Uh, you got anything you want to promote? Uh, I will next week. Good. We should do a show then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. We should just do it. We don't, we don't even need a reason. We don't need a reason, reason at all. <laughs> the same thing. Um, yep, yeah, Fury Road. That's pretty much all I've got. We help people a lot with email, but uh, do you have else? two two words you could say that would ruin Fury Road for anyone who's listening? <laughs> um, let me think about it. Right. I think that movie is impossible to ruin. Okay, it's the uh, I watched the first um, making of documentary last night. There's a, there's a whole bunch of little features in it. I love when iTunes does that. You know when they have little special things. The Harry Potter movies have a lot of good making of things. Um, but, you know, actually, f- funny enough, if you heard the episode where John Syracuse and I talked about Fury Road, we, we talked a lot about how there are people say, oh, it's practical effects. Oh, it's CGI. And it's both. Like, what the amazing thing about what they did is they shot almost everything as practical effects, but then composited it all together. So, like, they'll sh- you see this, like, just like a guy swinging on a pole, and you're like, whoa, what are they going to do with that? But then they composite it in with all these other things happening at the same time, and it all looks totally real. And I don't know. I could watch that kind of making of stuff constantly. I love making of stuff. Oh, man, oh, stuff. The best stuff. You sent me stuff. a photo. Yeah. My wife just Was sent me that. She, is, she, is she an astronaut? Yeah. So this is, this is the box that I bought. Uh, we finished the Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events book. All our books, all 13 books, we finally uh, are, are done. And we're moving on. A lot of people, I wasn't sure if it's on this show or one of the other shows, where I ask people for recommendations, what, what should we read as we finish the Lemony Snicket books? What should be next? And 
overwhelmingly, the answer was, how old's your son? And I said, well, he's turning almost eight. And they said, Harry Potter. So I went and I, I we, we like physical books. I have tried to read to him on oh, Kindle. Oh, did you buy the box, the box set? I bought the box set and it came in a relatively large, as usual, a huge box with tons and tons of packaging around it. And then inside right, right. you've got the, the books. And uh, and so she has acquired the box and this is what That's she's pretty made. cute. It's enjoying, very I, Calvin and Hobbes, what she's I, doing right now. Are you enjoying now. the books? We have, we're just going to be starting them next week. So, oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. So fun. Yeah. So fun. And I, again, well, you know, you know what? We got a couple minutes, right? Yeah. Can, can we make some uh, recommendations? I would love that. We do, we do a recommendations show. Merlin's best of uh, 2015 Q. Oh my Q3. God. You were, you were literally dead to me. <laughs> we're broken up for 10 minutes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Roving reporter. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, endorsements, as they say on Slate. Uh, here's one endorsement. Uh, Harry Potter, those books are good. But you know what I really, if you can find it, um, the uh, audiobooks, as read by Jim Dale, are a treat. And I know a lot of people from England, like they kind of grew up with those. Uh, really? People who are younger than us. They're so good. It's this one guy, you can see uh, YouTube videos of him doing readings from the book. And he reads the book, but he kind of, well, he needs some kind of, he does, does the voices. And so all the characters he does in different voices, but it's not cute. It's, it's very, very well That's done. That's a fine line, man. I know, I know. Harry, the way the way he does it is it's just so great, Vernon Dursley, uh, and like he does. I love his Snape. He does a great Snape. Loves Hermione. Anyway, those are great. Something I want to recommend. Um, you know, I I I keep some. I sometimes forget that I have Marvel Unlimited, um, which is I don't know what is it ten bucks a month, something like that. It's a service you uh, subscribe to for Marvel Comics, and basically it gives you uh, access to a surprisingly large number of Marvel comics that are older than six months, mm-hmm. right? So it's stuff that isn't like currently, you know, being printed. It's, there's, you know, obviously a window there uh, where they don't have the super current stuff. But man, I love Marvel Unlimited. And I, I like, for example, now I'm catching up with Ms. Marvel in there. Um, but you know, one I want to recommend, I've recommended this book, this series on here before, but I'll recommend it here because it's in Marvel Unlimited so you can read it for free virtually free, is uh, Scotty Young's Wizard of Oz series. Oh, man, that is the best artwork. I love that thing. I haven't read the whole thing. What a, what a treat his art yeah, is if you that. only if you only know him from like Rocket Raccoon or from the Marvel Babies kind of stuff, yeah. which is all great, he actually he has, he has this style that is, I want to say, a cross between Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos. He has a really like kind of anarchic, like wild kind of line style, but still gorgeous. Um, just all the characters are just brimming with energy and, and character. So yeah, start with, I think the first one's the wonderful wizard of Oz. And, uh, and there's a whole series, my, my wife and my daughter, that's one of their books that they read together, that, that series, but highly recommend it. And it's all, it's all right on there. You can just read it right on your, uh, iPad. so awesome. Those are good books. You got anything you want to recommend? Boy, I'll tell you why. Don't, don't see Jurassic world. I thought it was terrible. Um, I'm s- <laughs> that should be our new show. I'll tell you what you should do, and you tell people what they should. Yeah, do. we can do that for an hour. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I've been watching that's good. I mean, we've we've keep. I, I'm just going to continue to make that recommendation for Mr. Robot and uh, Humans is is playing out pretty well. I oh, think. Did you get to the end? Yeah. Ugh. I mean, there's still the finale next week, though, right? I'm I'm through eight. I, don't know, I think that's. Oh my god. 
Give me a code word that will not spoil it, and then I'll know. I can't, Dan. We li- we literally cannot afford to lose another listener. That's true. Uh, I'll continue to. Uh, what you about know, True his- Detective? Have you been watching that? My lady is trudging through that. I gave up after most of one episode. The last few episodes were were good. I, I still, as the series is now ended, I'm reflecting on what may or may not have happened in the movie. I mean, in the in the, in, uh, in the show. Uh, there's just so much other. There's stuff. There's a lot of stuff though. There's so much other stuff. Yeah. Um. The, 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 what was I going to suggest here? Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess my Lemony Snicket. That was an endorsement for Lemony Snicket. Amazing books, really great books, and there and and Handler puts the the author Lemony, aka Lemony Snicket, puts enough yeah. references and and humorous terms and things in there for adults to to really enjoy it in a way that doesn't alienate the kids. But but that, that that he has such a wonderful style of storytelling. I just haven't enjoyed a series of books in a long time as much as I enjoyed uh, a series of unfortunate events. I h- highly recommend. That's that. a great endorsement. Well, you know what else is good for that that I, we saw this week was uh, Shaun the Sheep, the movie. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. I didn't. I, that came out of left field, didn't it? I didn't even totally know they were working on delightful, it. Delightful, totally delightful, and just full of sight gags and warmth without being smarmy and or being too like you know mawkish. Highly recommended. But here's what here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to have this as a place we can point people to, um, because I, I get asked this a lot, and I answer this pretty much every time somebody asks me. But let's go ahead and, and, and put it down. A lot of people. Hello and welcome to Merlin's recommendations for comics for kids. Hi, Dan. How are you today? I'm doing good. What's up? Big week. Huge week. Um, a lot of people say, I have a kid, a boy or a girl, or what have you, uh, between the ages of, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. What are some good comics to read with your kids? Right. And so what I want to focus on is some comics for kids and, you know, do your own due diligence on whether your kids are ready for any kind of comic. But I want to toss out a few that I frequently suggest to people and can still highly recommend. Uh, one one that's kind of a no-brainer, if your kids like Adventure Time, the TV show, and you like the uh, TV show Adventure Time, check out Ryan North's, uh, someone else is doing it now, but Ryan North's uh, volumes of the Adventure Time comic, especially the one where Princess Bubblegum makes a time machine. It is It has so much of the spirit of what makes the show really enjoyable, and I can highly recommend it if your kids like Adventure Time. Do you have one, Dan? I have others. Keep going. Superman Family Adventures, a now-retired uh, comic uh, it's kind of in that, what's the, oh shoot, what's the name of the people who make that? We'll put it in show notes. But Superman Family Adventures, just really super cute, kid friendly. It's, it's, oh yeah, comics. You know, you know that style of comics? Mm. There, uh, you'll know it if you see it. Just go look at Superman Family Adventures. And it's great. The whole family's there. They got, they got crypto and, uh, they're, those are really kid friendly at, for really almost any age. There's nothing like horribly, uh, disturbing that happens in them. Um, I'll say Zeta the Space Girl is, is really good. That's one, again, my wife and my kid like to read it. You, you got anyone you want to jump in with here? No, because we, I, I don't, I mean, I guess I can talk about this. Is it right now, my, neither of my kids, but especially my, my son, Seven, he's just not into the comic book thing. And I don't know why, and it, it, it makes me a little sad, uh, but he's, he's just not really that much into it. You know, everybody's different and everybody goes through phases and, you know, comics are just not for everybody. I don't know. It'll be for him. I guarantee you that. I promise you that. <laughs> it will be for him eventually. I just, I'm not sure how to make this happen yet. I'm trying to think of some, uh, some more uh, super friendly kids ones. Um, 
I guess one, all I would say is that like, if you spend a little time with this, the nice thing is there are actually really good kids comics that grownups can enjoy too. It doesn't have to be like just, you know, grindingly child friendly stuff like the wizard. And again, just to mention uh, the Scotty Young's wizard of Oz series, um, highly recommended. But I, I would say one thing you could do is go, if you're looking to get your kid into comics, think about this, go to the store, go to a comic store, maybe even by yourself and you go, to the comics section and you flip through it. If you see stuff you know your kids are into, like if you know your kid is into um, Steven Universe or whatever, like flip through that comic. If you know they like Bob's Burgers, look at Bob's Burgers. That's not for super young kids. But go and see what you think looks good and then ask one of the nice people at the comic store what they recommend because they will probably have really good ideas uh, for stuff. And uh, I would consider buying stuff in um, trade paperback editions. It's, it ends up being cheaper. You have all the stories in a row. Trade waiting is a is a thing you can do. So uh, yeah, comics. That's all I want to say. We haven't talked about comics in a while, Dan. No, it's been a long time, and I admit I have fallen out of. I have fallen out of reading a lot of these. I just have sort of gotten disenchanted by the being that I was mainly reading Marvel stuff anyway. Oh my god! I've, I've read the first quarter of Secret Wars one like even know ten times. I don't know what's going on in it. It looks it looks beautiful, but the story's like whoa. I don't even care about it. That's I the part know. that breaks my own heart. Is yeah. I don't even really care about it. Uh, can you believe? I can't believe I'm saying it, but like I, I there was a while there where especially, and I look back, I look back at the superior Spider-Man and how upset I was about that. <laughs> and it you was, were really upset. It was some of the best, really, truly the best stuff that has been going on in comics in a while. Dan Slott getting death threats for it, but just yep. making a super energy. And you had Ramos doing the art and just... I just, I don't know, like, I, I feel like there isn't anything out there right now that I'm, that, that's really capturing my interest. And maybe Marvel's, I, Marvel's, fr- Marvel's frustrating, and they're obviously going through a whole big thing they're doing right now, but, like, I'll just tell you, man, Image, you couldn't even keep up with how much amazing stuff is going on in Image right now. It's just, like, amazing, like, you know, you got Wicked and Divine, you got Sex Criminals, there's just, there's so much great stuff, Bitch Planet, there's so much great stuff going on at Image. Um, I, 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 I can't keep up. I'm trade waiting a lot of that stuff. Um, I'm finally going to really, I finally got the, I got the Wicked and Divine first volume. I'm going to like read that in earnest. I love what I've seen, but yeah, yeah Marvel. You know, all the, gosh, I mean, I, I'll always have a special place for Marvel, but like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I can be counted on to be a Marvel super fan every day like I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Back when I was just 47. Right. Back in the old days. Well, you got to get going soon. You think we should button this up? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, well, thanks everybody for tuning in. I'm sorry if we lost you as a listener. We, we, we love you all. Um, I love you. Love you too, brother, man.